I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another episode of A Large Almond Latte. I'm your host, Nicole, and I have had... Such a super busy week this week, drinking wine and watching Netflix and self-isolating before I was told to. I'm such a trendsetter. But actually, I did leave the house. I have started exercising again for the first time post-bebe. And oh my God. So for reference, pre-bebe, I was actually in a cult called F45 and I was working out like six times a week. I was peak. And then I got pregnant and literally like couldn't do anything. I mean, you try putting on 20 kilos and then trying to like plank. You cannot. So all I could do was Pilates and I honestly wouldn't even call it that. I'd call it laying on a reformer bed and gently flailing around. So yeah, it's been a solid 12 months since cardio has been in my life. And all I can say is now I think I understand how the biggest loser contestants feel after their first workout. Uh, Like I weigh approximately 728 kilos, no clothes fit me, let alone a sports bra. I cannot lift my own body weight and literally everything hurts. Even my hands hurt, but no pain, no gain, right? Today on the podcast... After seeing Jessica from Love is Blind feeding her dog wine, I'll be exploring what is normal behaviour with your pet. Then, in keeping with the animal theme, I review the Hallmark Channel masterpiece, Love on Safari. Then, I've introduced a new segment called Life Changers. These are facts that I've discovered fairly late in life, but apparently the rest of the population calls it common knowledge. So if you're in the like 0.00813% of the population who haven't watched Love is Blind on Netflix, basically this girl Jessica is drinking wine and then she gives her dog a sip and she's like, she loves it. And apparently people were like, oh my God, I need to call Peter. But I didn't really flinch. I mean, to be honest, it wasn't even the most questionable of her behavior. And who hasn't offered their dog wine? I mean... I know that my dog doesn't like wine, so I must have definitely done it at some point. But then I also got thinking about all the other weird things I do with my dog and what's normal and what do other people consider normal adjacent. So you can visualize this. I'll tell you a little bit about my dog because like any regular person, I also love talking about my dog because he's the cutest good boy. Okay, so he's a little pomchi. So he's a Pomeranian cross chihuahua. He's black and tan and he's called Louis Lenny Batman. And he's so weird. Like he spends most of the day inside 
in my wardrobe, in my shoes. I don't want to isolate anyone from this podcast, so I guess you could also visualize a cute little cat if you're one of those types. So obviously, like any regular dog owner, I let Louis sleep in my bed with me and it's the best. Like he always snuggles into my nooks. Sometimes he's the big spoon, sometimes he's the little spoon, but he always makes me feel so loved, which honestly is something I need like three to four times a day because that positive reassurance is something that really keeps my anxiety at bay. It's also super nice to spoon your dog if you don't have a human. Like I do have a human and I would still rather spoon my dog, even if he doesn't want to. Like often Louis will have enough of cuddling and I obviously haven't and he tries to escape, but I won't let him. And then I get really anxious that if we could actually ever communicate with each other, he would tell me that he hates me. Like imagine if you and your dog could understand each other for five minutes, what would you say to each other? Honestly, I think about this way too often and I get so stressed that yeah, Louis would tell me that he really hates me and he would tell me all these things he thinks are so gross, like the fact that I sit around in my underwear eating ice cream and you know, other things I only do when he's around and Every time I think about it, I get so stressed. I have to give Louis a treat, like in real life, just to keep him on side. Sometimes Louis does sleep in his own bed, but it's usually his own choice. And it's probably because he's been humping his own bed so vigorously, he just doesn't have the energy to jump up into my bed. Also, like, it's just so cruel to make your dog sleep outside. Like, you wouldn't do it to a human. So why do you think it's okay to do it to your dog? Like, if you have a dog and he doesn't sleep in your bed, nay, he sleeps outside. I mean, I think maybe you're the weird one here. And, you know, some might even say neglectful, to be honest. Okay, so this behavior isn't necessarily with your dog, but it's behavior you definitely exhibit if you have a dog. So obviously now I feel like we're a very standoffish society, especially in big cities. Like you don't talk to strangers, you don't know your neighbors, you'd never have a conversation with just some random at a cafe. Friendly is not really a default setting. And I totally understand that because if we were all friendly by default, then I think we would have a lot more people getting in white vans upon the promise of a lolly. Like I definitely would. But if you have a dog, this is totally flipped on its head. Like you talk to everyone and you trust everyone if they've got a dog. Like I'm a big true crime fan, right? So I am super wary. If I'm walking down a dark alley, I've got like my keys ready. I've got my phone on dial ready to go. And if someone was following me, I would be so terrified, even if it was the middle of the day. But If I was walking down a dark alley at 2am and someone was following me with a dog, I would turn around and stop for a chat, like no questions asked. But that's because there's like this unspoken camaraderie between dog owners and dog lovers. Like you just talk to each other or you smile at each other. So honestly, like sometimes I'll be walking Louie and you walk past another dog owner and you just smile at each other and it can turn my whole day around. Like honestly, even if you don't have a dog, smiling at someone makes such a difference. Like next time you're walking down the street, just smile at someone. But it has to be like not a creepy not a creepy smile. It can't be like an over-the-top smile. It has to be that white person smile, you know, like that half smile when your mouth is still closed. Or I don't know, maybe just don't do it if you don't have a dog because I don't want to be responsible for you being punched in the face by someone's partner who thought you were looking at their girlfriend or boyfriend the wrong way. Yeah. So just do it if you have a dog. 
So yeah, there's like definitely this unspoken camaraderie and friendliness between dog owners slash dog lovers. But oh my God, this is such a first world problem. But if you have a dog that is as cute as mine and he is so cute, such a good boy, it actually does get a bit bothersome after a while sometimes. Like Louis gets on average three to four compliments every time we leave the house. I'm not even joking, we've counted. And sometimes when I'm super hungover, which is like every weekend, I just want to eat my bacon in peace and not talk to anyone for like 36 hours. But then people just want to talk to us and be like, oh my God, what breed is your dog? Is he a puppy? Oh my God, he's no, he's not a puppy, he's six years old. But I, I don't know, I shouldn't complain. And I guess now I know how celebrities feel when they just want to go out with their caps down and get their grande iced coffee and the paparazzi are everywhere. I mean, maybe one of the reasons that we get so much attention when we're out at brunch is because of the way we behave. I mean, it's definitely not a case of I eat my meal and then he gets my scraps. Like, we eat the meal together. Like I said, he really likes confined spaces. So if it's a cold day, he will sit on my lap underneath my jumper and just pop his head out of my collar when the bacon comes. If it's warm, he'll still sit on my lap when we're we're eating. And like if we were at home, I would let him eat from the fork and lick the plate. But I guess when we're out, I'm really conscious that there are judgy, non-dog types and, you know, hygienic people around. So I let him at least just eat from my fingers. So it's not super weird. Um, But after he's eaten all that bacon, he gets really thirsty And sometimes the waitstaff are really busy and there just isn't a dog bowl around. So I let him definitely drink water out of my cup. And I mean, I think it's fine. And also like if he was thirsty and I had water sitting in front of me and I didn't let him drink it, I would like call the RSPCA on myself. So I feel like a lot of you are probably thinking that some of those brunch behaviors were bordering normal adjacent, but I think you all would agree that these next two behaviors definitely are NQR. I honestly don't know if other people do this, but I replace like every song lyric with Louis' name. So like Game of Thrones, every Monday night when that two minute theme song comes on for the whole song, I would be like, Louis, Louis Lenny, Louis Batman, Louis Batman, Louis Batman, Louis Batman. I don't know. I think it's just because I'm a super creative person and that's why I do that. But I guess now if any of you are going back and re-watching Game of Thrones or watching it for the first time, now you'll get the enjoyment of putting lyrics to that theme song as well. This behavior I almost don't want to even say out loud and I definitely feel like my therapist would have some very strong thoughts on it because I love my dog so much like he's such a good boy and I just want to be around him all the time that when he's not with me I pretend that he is and I talk to him like when I'm on holidays I miss him so much like it actually hurts so I just pretend he's coming everywhere with me like I'll leave the hotel room and I'll be like, come on, Louie, let's go, let's go. And like pretend he's coming with me to go sightseeing. And then if we were looking at something, I'll be like, oh, Louie, look at that. Um, And then we get back and I will be like, come on, Louie, up, up. And pretend that he's jumping up on the bed. And I actually will lift up the covers, pretend that he's getting in. It's so cooked. I know 100% it's not right. Um, Like even just today, I was sitting in the car and I was watching dogs walking past. And I was just like, Louie, look at that good boy. Louie? 
was not with me. Like I don't even consciously do it. I don't know how, like I haven't done it around random people yet, to be honest, but you know, whatever, at least I'm not feeding my dog wine. So I don't know what's normal and what's normal adjacent, but I can confidently say that I think I am a well-adjusted person who just really loves their dog. Good boy, Louis. Sit. Good boy. Here you go. Nah, I'm kidding. He's at my feet. No, he's not. He's not there at all. Love on Safari. Not to be confused with Holiday in the Wild with Rob Lowe and Charlotte from Sex and the City, which is on Netflix. I mean, if you watch both the movies on mute, it's basically the same thing. Um, but Love on Safari has a cast that's 10 years younger. So Love on Safari stars Gretchen Wiener, aka Lacey Schibber, who has appeared in no less than 16 Hallmark Channel movies. Yeah, I did my research on this. So I think the Hallmark Channel is like the modern day equivalent to the Hollywood studios from the Golden era. Like the actor is contracted to the studio and then just used and abused and pumped full of drugs so they can pump out as many movies as possible. Gretchen, or Kira as she was known in this movie, but I'm going to keep calling her Gretchen, is a website developer. And you know that because she's at work in the opening scene and there's a really, really long held shot of code on her computer screen. So she gets this letter delivered to her work, which is super weird. It's not an ASOS package. Who gets letters delivered to their work? Anyway, The letter says that her great uncle Irv has died and she has to go to South Africa for the reading of the will. She's like, "Mm, I didn't really know him that well. But then her home screen on her computer is a picture of him and uncle Irv as a child at his safari reserve in South Africa. So conveniently, she actually has a holiday book the next day anyway. So off she trots to South Africa. So she gets to this lodge in the middle of South Africa for the reading of the will. And there are literally no other family members there. But she's still super surprised when the lawyer says that old Uncle Irv has left the lodge to her. Very realistically, Gretchen does not think that she should be running a lodge. After all, she's a web developer from Chicago and knows literally nothing about running a safari reserve. She said that she didn't even know that giraffes eat leaves. It's actually super presumptuous of great uncle Irv, who hasn't seen his niece in the last 20 years, to just assume that she would happily give up her life and career and move to South Africa to run a resort. Like, a heads up would have been nice, Irv. I don't know, Gretchen doesn't seem the brightest, but I also picked up a few other reasons why she should not keep the lodge and she should definitely sell it. One, it's run by like 20-something-year-old white Americans, Tom, who's obviously going to be the love interest, and his sister, Ellie. I don't know, like when I go to South Africa for safari, I definitely want local guides. Two, the lodge was super hard to get to. Like she could only get the helicopter there and they made it really clear that that was the only way to get there. But then I don't know, it gets a bit sketchy because then like several times later in the movie, they just drive into Johannesburg. So I don't know. Three, maybe the Hallmark Channel couldn't afford the extras, but there are literally no guests in the movie at this point. We're like 30 minutes in. So I don't know. I'm just really not sure that the lodge is performing too well financially. But very conveniently, Uncle Irv's main competitor, Artie wants to buy the lodge, whose side note is also a young white American. Seriously, we're like 45 minutes into the movie and I have not heard a single South African accent. Anyway, the white Americans who run Irv's Lodge are really against this. They're like, 
Artie only cares about the bottom line, and he's just going to commoditize it, and it's going to end up looking the same as all the other resorts that just appeal to the lowest common denominator. Well, you know what? At least they appeal to someone, Tom, because you've got no guess. So, sneaky, sneaky Tom tries all these things to get Gretchen to fall in love with Africa so she'll keep the lodge. Like, I don't know why. What's the point? You know she's a web developer and has no experience running safaris. Anyway, so the first thing he does is take her to this village where Irv built a school. Most importantly none of the locals get a single line. So just the white people talking still. Oh my God, wait, stop, hold the phones. There are guests at their resort. It's only two, but it's a start. And obviously they're American. So I don't know, at this point, I'm pretty sure that the whole movie was filmed in the American equivalent of Werribee Zoo. So Tom's next sneaky move is to get Gretchen to come out on safari to see the lions with the two other tourists that they have. And I don't know, I thought that lions were like everywhere in Africa, but apparently not. Their numbers are half of what they were in the 90s. Don't reference me in your next peer-reviewed essay about African animals because I got that statistic from a Hallmark movie. Anyway, they get back from the safari and she's like, thank you so much, Tom. That was amazing. Which in Hallmark language means they want to get down. But then her boyfriend, Brad, shows up. Yes, his name is Brad. So you know he's going to be a douche. Also, yeah, she has a boyfriend, which when he turned up, I didn't realize it was her boyfriend. To be honest, I thought in the opening scene, he was actually her gay best friend because all of their interactions were totally platonic. In hindsight, I definitely know there was never going to be a gay best friend in a Hallmark Channel movie. The Hallmark Channel is peak conservative America, if you couldn't already tell by the zero lines that the black people have in this movie. So anyway, he is totally obnoxious. He's like, oh, it's so hot here. I hope they have air con while he is sitting there in dark jeans and a long sleeve top. Idiot. Then he's like, I can see a giraffe in a zoo. Africa is beautiful, but so is Chicago on a summer morning. At least I'm getting my steps in. I can't wait to get back to civilization. Honestly, I feel like I have met so many Brads on my travels, right? Anyway, obviously Gretchen is mildly embarrassed by Brad's behavior. And now she's starting to realize that maybe she really has outgrown Chicago and corporate city life. She admits she's really conflicted about the sale now because she's falling in love with South Africa. So yeah, Brad really is a capital douche. He goes behind Gretchen's back to Johannesburg so he can speak to Artie. And he's like, okay, we're going to do the deal, but we need some amendments like protection of animal. And Artie's like, we don't need to put that into the contract. You can trust me. And then Brad's like, okay. And then he shakes on it. What a dummy. So then the next day, which is Gretchen's birthday, Gretchen goes to see Artie and says the same thing about protection of animals. And then Artie's like, your financial advisor, aka Brad, already asked me that. So obviously Gretchen is now fuming at Brad for going behind her back. So at dinner that night, she goes to confront him, but then Brad proposes. Wow, Brad, read the room. Obviously, she says no. She's like, why would you go behind my back? I don't need you to do that for me. You think that I need to be protected, but I can make my own decisions. I don't want a white picket fence anymore. And he's like, this place has changed you. Let's just go back to Chicago where I can pump you full of babies and you can take your position where you belong in the kitchen. Make me a sandwich. And she's like, 
Bye, Brad. So by this point, we have actually confirmed that the resort's financial situation is in fact dire. So what an absolute jerk was Uncle Irv. So not only did he assume that Gretchen would pick up and move her whole life from Chicago to South Africa, but he also wanted her to take on this dud of a business. Irv does not sound like a good guy. Anyway, now that Brad has gone back home, Gretchen has some clear space to think. And bing, she has this absolute brainwave. Because she's a web developer, she rebuilds the resort website and has live streaming videos of all the animals. Cute. Then she gets her friend who has lots of Twitter followers to make it go viral. And obviously it does because it is so easy to make things go viral. Didn't you know? Anyway, they get so many bookings, but they still have this one problem. Gretchen can't financially afford to still run the resort. So bing, she has another brainwave and she's like, oh, I can get the people in the village to go halves with me and then we can run the resort. I have absolutely no idea how a village that needed a school built for them could fund enough money on their own to buy half a resort. Like I I absolutely have no idea how that worked, but they go to the village and they accept and It works. Yes. So they went to the village and brokered a deal with them. So you might be thinking, oh, I guess the black people have lines now. You would be incorrect. Still only white people speaking. Villagers get to sing though. So, you know. Anyway, so yay. Gretchen saves the day. So obviously then the closing scene is Gretchen and Tom up on this hilltop and they kiss. It is a peck. I had to rewind it because I missed it the first time. It was so PG. Like I watched one and a half hours of that movie for that absolute anticlimax. Ugh. Anyway, the end. Right. So what do I rate this movie? Well, uh, full disclosure, I paused it halfway through to take a nap and the nap was definitely the best part of that three hour block of my life. And it wasn't even a good nap, to be honest. So I feel like I rate this movie a five out of 10 because it was so average. I literally can't be bothered moving the dial either way. Okay, now it's time for our new segment, Life Changes. The facts that I've come to realize fairly recently, but apparently everybody else thinks is common knowledge. And this one is a biggie, so put your seatbelt on. Okay, here we go. Paprika is ground capsicum. I know. I'm just going to leave you to let that one sink right in. Thanks for listening to Large Almond Latte. If you loved the podcast, you can subscribe on Apple and give us five stars if you're feeling super generous or follow us on Spotify. You can also join our Facebook group at Large Almond Latte Podcast for more low involvement discussions. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.